1: Save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out.
0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the New Books Network's podcast series channel, Scholarly Communication. And I'm Sanjay Kumar, your host. I'm delighted to have in our show today John Bond, the author of The Little Guide to Getting Your Journal Article Published, Simple Steps to Success. Published by Rauman and Littlefield, London, Balden, New York, um, 2023. Welcome, John Bond, to the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to have this discussion today.
1: Thank you very much, Sanjay. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been such a fan of the New Books Network for so many years and, uh, and listened to so many of their shows, so it's an honor to be here. Thank you.
0: I would probably request you to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, uh, how you came to write this book, and perhaps a little bit of context about your background. Please, John.
1: Yes, I started uh, life as a librarian in a local school district, and uh, that really stemmed from my love of the written word and all things books. Uh, I realized after a few years I wanted to try uh, other things, and I was uh, applied for and got a job at an academic publisher that specialized in uh, healthcare, and I got a job as an editor for a peer review journal. So uh, I worked my way up for some period of time, and uh, eventually uh, there was inside the company uh, an opening for book publisher in their academic books group. This group uh, published both monographs and textbooks, also in healthcare. So I was fortunate to attain that job and uh, worked as the book publisher for several years. And then finally, after a period of time, uh, the both the books and the peer review journals group were combined into one, and I became the chief content officer for the company uh, for both their pu- books and a journals group. The people that I had the pleasure of working with internally were both the business development people, acquisitions, editors, and the like, editorial and production people and uh, marketing sales and rights and licensing. So I had the uh, 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 complete view of the publishing process from beginning to end. Really my greatest fortune was being able to work with many of the leaders Uh, and titans in the industry in the fields of healthcare, particularly in medicine, uh, nursing, and in allied health or the health professions, occupational therapy and physiotherapy. Working with them was a true honor and it really uh, uh, exposed me to some of the most interesting people I've known in my entire life. About seven years ago, uh, when my last uh, of my three sons had graduated from university, Uh, I wanted to move into a different phase of my career, and so I left to uh, start a consulting business, Riverwinds Consulting, and I call myself a publishing consultant, and I connect with uh, individuals as well as uh, uh, associations or societies, and then some publishers on creating great content and delivering great content, the two ends of the important spectrum So I've worked with many individuals uh, and uh, associations on uh, some very, varied tasks. Uh, Most recently, I'm also associated now and working with uh, e-learning in the legal field. And I've been working with a company doing some innovative things on delivering uh, e-learning to law firms, specifically in regard to risk and information governance related topics. So I'm a publishing consultant, and uh, that's really what uh, led me to be interested in writing the book um, that we're talking about today. I also uh, started a few years ago a YouTube channel uh, called Publishing Defined, and it's uh, short videos dealing with a variety of topics in scholarly publishing. They usually average about three to five minutes. They are, uh, there's about a hundred of them and they're on a variety of peer review journal and a book and monograph related topics. Uh, It's been quite a success for me. I have about 6,000 plus subscribers and I'm approaching a half a million total views. So it's been a tremendous way to connect with people in the United States, but I would say uh, 50% of my uh, viewership is outside the United States in nearly every country in the world. So that's been a fun endeavor. And then finally, I've uh, written the book we're talking about today, but I have two other books uh, in the works as well that I'd like to tell you about at the end of the podcast. So that's a little bit about my background and how uh, we uh, came to be talking today.
0: Thank you very much, John. That's an impressive profile. And maybe I'll start with the title of the book. Um, and I think this is something which might be of interest to our readers Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about um, how you came to call this The Little Guide to Getting a Journal Article Published, Simple Steps to Success. (coughs) Excuse me.
1: Well, I've noticed, as many people have, that uh, people that are busy professionals, academics, are really pressed on schedule and time and commitments. One of the first things when I interact with somebody is to talk about their schedule. And the refrain I hear from everybody is, I'm very busy right now. I completely relate to life in 2023 in uh, the speed that things are going by post-pandemic and the requirements and the demands that are on many academics and many researchers in regard to their personal life and their professional life. I think, uh, the Twitter world of 144 characters has really focused everybody on concise material. And there are some excellent writing guides out there that I recommend to people all the time. And there are some really great, uh, books that talk about the writing journey with, uh, journals, as well as books that I'm a big fan of. And I highly recommend many of these. But what I wanted to focus on was something that was very concise, very practical, and really in a step-by-step-wise fashion. So uh, yes, it it makes me smile when I say the little guide, because what I really wanted to do was boil the process down to a digestible fashion. It's 29 very short chapters. They're very focused on specific topics. And I really wanted to uh, present something that uh, the reader could look at, absorb a little bit, feel that they've accomplished something. They have a clear charge as to what they're going to be doing next. So the book represents my philosophy of step-by-step focused and uh, one that uh, holds the reader's, holds the writer's hand for them to know that there is a path to success for them.
0: Thank you, John. Yeah, I would definitely add after reading the book that the little guide has much more to offer uh, than what it sounds. I also like the fact that you do emphasize in the book that it's a practical guide, that it is something to dip into and it holds your hand, as I would call it, through the entire process, beginning from an idea to the publication of an article which is immensely helpful for anybody who wants to get a journal article published. Maybe I'll ask you, if you don't mind, to tell us a little more about how you structured the book along these 29 chapters and five parts.
1: I wanted to really uh, give the reader the confidence, the writer the confidence, that this is an achievable goal. And I think many times people will become paralyzed as they start to uh, want to go down this path or need to go down this path as to where to start. And the journey almost becomes too big. Uh, Each chapter starts with a quote and uh, one of the quotes that people know well, but um, I think really represents the philosophy of the book is, and that is the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And that's what I really encourage the readers to think that I just need to do a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow and a little bit the next day. So I broke the sections down into getting started, which is really one of the most difficult parts. People are paralyzed by the enormity of the journal, uh, the enormity of the journey. Sorry. And then moving on to Selecting potential journals for submission doesn't have to be the final selection, but you start to think about the uh, audience and the market that you're specifically gearing your work towards. And then it really dives into the, to the bulk of the work, which is writing the actual manuscript or article. And I use the word manuscript and article interchangeably in the book, even though there's a definite time when manuscript becomes article and then move on to the all-important submitting of the article and uh, the uh, the ever nerve-wracking waiting for decision. And then finally, what happens after publication? And there's some key parts that take place then, but I definitely see it as a journey. And I want the uh, readers and the writers to feel that I'm on the journey with them. And there are definite uh, uh, signposts along the way that they can feel that they've accomplished and uh, move forward to the next step.
0: Thank you, John. That's really uh, a very good description of the difficult journey of getting an article published in a scholarly journal. I might just go back to some of the interesting things with which you start the book. One is, of course, what makes the journey interesting, challenging, but also, as you said, daunting for people who have never thought of publishing. And because you have laid out this journey in terms of before, during and after, I would probably also ask you, in the process of writing this book, and also given your long, illustrious career in the world of academic and scholarly publishing, which part of the journey do you think is the most decisive, if I may put it that way?
1: Yeah, I would have two answers there. The the most important thing, and Part of what was a given for what I'm talking about today is what you're writing about, whether it's research or an idea that you have or you're presenting findings. Um, j- peer review journals, the editors and the editorial boards, are looking for something that adds to the literature. Nobody wants to go over exactly what's been published in the past. They're looking for something new or novel. The hallmark of uh, the top journals in the field really come down to quality. Now, that can seem like it's almost overwhelming. How am I going to come up with something that's breaking new ground? But people do it every day and in every journal. So the most important part is to start to think about what you what you want to say and what it adds to the literature. And this really stems back to the research that you're doing or any work that you're performing. So that's really where things begin. And then to start to think about um, how you're going to present this work and how you're going to offer it to the reader. You're, this is where starting to think about the audience uh, and the market of the, uh, the individual journals Th- those two things are the beginning uh, beginning of the journey uh, for any author that's starting to contemplate uh, writing a manuscript or a, a journal article.
0: Thank you. I'll come back to some of the chapter titles, which I think are in many ways um, very decisive uh, for the reader as well as for the audience. Um, I'm trying to think in terms of what would probably be useful for the reader to understand, uh, because it's sometimes very important for the reader to know that certain parts of the writing and publishing process can be more time-consuming than others. So in terms of asking this question to you, I saw that chapter two is called Defining Your Idea Topic, and then the next two chapters are called Developing a Plan and Developing a Timeline. As a teacher of academic writing for the last 13 years, I often hear my own students and researchers complaining how difficult it is to meet the deadlines. Uh, And I know that you have experience working as a publishing consultant too. How do you think this book helps the aspiring academic writers to overcome the issue of managing their time or efficiently using it? What kind of strategies do you think the book offers which might be practical and yet simple?
1: Yes, the first one is the idea, and certainly I'm not the developer of it, but is having a plan and a timeline and a detailed one at that. So I really emphasize the importance of coming up with a plan, making it very granular of the steps that you're going to need to do. Whether it is you know completing your research, developing the idea fully, uh, doing a literature search, all of these steps need to be laid down in a plan with an accompanying timeline next to it. And it's important for them to be granular. If you just say uh, research the literature, it's almost too big a task at that point. You need to uh, bullet those, uh, bullet that idea by saying. Um, do a check XYZ online database. Stop at the library and check in with a librarian uh, to find out more about uh, materials that might be available. Check with colleagues over uh, r- recent articles on this topic. So by co- becoming very granular, uh, the, the task seems more achievable. Uh, you're able to cross things off more uh, more at the end of the day, which always makes people feel a sense of accomplishment. And you're going to want to give a timeline to each one of these. So perhaps what you want to do is at the very bottom of your plan is start with your target date or your proposed target date, and then you're able to work back with the timeline of what you need to do. When you're developing the timeline and the plan, you need to be realistic that life is going to intervene with your, uh, with your plans. Everybody can lay out something. It's sort of like a new year's resolution. Everybody can lay out a plan, but we know that sometimes uh, something's going to come up, whether it is a staff meeting or your have a personal commitment that you have to meet. You want to be able to say, I'm going to work on this topic or this step for 45 minutes today and an hour tomorrow, and a half an hour tomorrow. But to be able to fill in and to say, well, that did not work out, so I'm going to move things around and do some work on this other day during the week. So to make contingency plans have to be part of uh, your toolkit when dealing with your plan and your uh, timeline. Going back to one of the chapters, and that's defining your idea and topic. It's very important early on for you to have a one or maybe two sentence definition of what you're trying to achieve with your writing. Many times novice writers try to cover too much in an article. Your article or your manuscript should really be very focused on a single idea. Now, of course, it's going to have facets to it and different points that you'll that you'll be making, but the more focused your writing is, the better you the better you the better the material is going to be, and the easier you're gonna find your journey uh do not try to as they say throw everything in except the kitchen sink. Have your material very focused on one aspect of your research or the work that you've been doing.
0: Thank you, John. I think I'll move on now to part two, which is selecting the potential journals for submission. And I know this is indeed a decisive step in the journey, and it is also something which many students struggle, and it might also need a lot of hand-holding and exposure if you are in remote corners of the world where you do not know what is happening in your discipline or area. You do give very useful hands-on tips in this part too. And I probably would focus on a couple of things here. One is you talk about understanding the nitty-gritty of the publication industry and in terms of how journals get published. And if I can go back to something you mentioned at the beginning, namely that you really don't think that you make a distinction between disciplines in this book, I want to know How much do you think from your experience working in the publishing industry, you found differences between how scholarly articles are published in journals across disciplines?
1: Yes, understand the publishing industry helps the uh, writer uh, tremendously because they understand more about the different business models that publishers or associations are operating, operating under it's really imperative in 2023 to understand uh, open access and how it connects in your particular uh, subject area. Open access has different formats. Even if you choose not to, it's important for you to understand many of the most important most important trends going on right now in scholarly publishing. So that is very important. Um, as for uh, uh, the, the writer's individual subject area, uh, there are nuances to any specific one, but I found that most of them come down to perhaps a uh, different article types or formats that an individual discipline may prefer or, uh, the speed to publication, some, uh, some, uh, subject areas, speed to publication is absolutely crucial. While others may be a little bit less important, understanding the the breadth of the publications that are in your individual field is very very important. Um, one of the things of a refrain that I say throughout the book is to become a fan of the journals that you're going to submit to. I've seen all too often when novice writers are looking for a place to publish they will do a search and come up with a few journal names that uh, they've come across and they really haven't experienced those journals. And I, and that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. If you find a journal, you should become a fan of it. You should become a reader of it. And even if you're not a subscriber, maybe you just look at the abstracts that are online or the topics that they're covering. So becoming a fan is very, very critical Uh, for any journal that you're uh, considering publishing or submitting to rather. The other thing that's important is every journal uh, has an about page and has uh, some valuable information there, whether it's a mission statement or a vision statement, there's always an information for authors or guideline for authors. All these documents are gold when it comes down to your consideration of what journal you want to submit to. These really are guidelines to what they're looking for and help you target the ones that are most appropriate for the content of your manuscript. You'll want to uh, increase your chances for publication by submitting to those that are the best target uh, for your content and avoid uh, getting uh, the manuscript returned because they don't Uh, uh, publish in that area. So really understanding uh, a journal, being a fan, and reading their guidelines for authors or mission statement are critical for this step.
0: Thank you, John. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, This also ties me back to the question of readership, which you do talk about in the part one, which is to write for the right reader. And I think this is something which we talk about in academic writing pedagogy about readability and knowing your audience. If I may come back to one thread that I found fascinating in all the three parts of the book is how you make the reader of the book, the aspiring academic, scholarly, journal writer, think about the different facets of what is happening in the process from the writer to the reader. And the third person, I think, that comes into the picture is the reviewer. And I thought this was a very interesting move you make because ultimately, the judge, the arbiter of quality in scholarly publication, if I may put it that way, seems to be the peer reviewer and the process. Would you like to tell us something more about what you try to say in the book about part three, especially also what happens in the peer review process?
1: Yes, the peer review process does vary by area. Uh you know, it could be single blind or double blind where the uh writer doesn't know who the reviewer is or the writer and reviewer each don't know the other one. There are arguments to be made in both ways uh, for both both methods. Also there are major innovations that are going on right now with the review process for some journals and with some publishers, but still has stayed the same in many areas. Um, Most journals will receive an article, will have a preliminary pass-through to make sure it fits their minimum criteria, an associate editor or the editor-in-chief, or whatever the term is they may use, will then assign it to reviewers who will go through and uh, use a form uh, to give feedback after an extensive read, and then it'll come back to the reviewer, uh, to the editor-in-chief or to the associate editors for a decision. It is not uncommon for these boards to receive three reviews back. One says accept, one says revise, and one says reject. It's, It's the nature of the industry that there are a lot of dedicated volunteers out there with a deep background in this field and they're looking at things from all different angles, and it would be up to the editor-in-chief and the editorial board and reviewers to make that final determination as to what the article's true value is to that journal. So the, uh, the reviewers and the editorial board play a critical role in the process, and they're really the gatekeepers in the most positive sense of that word for the material that's going to get in the journal and the future and the future success of that journal rests in their hands based on those decisions that they make. So one more thing is to go back to the market or to go back to the readership. Uh, many times novice writers will, will think, well, of course I know who my readership is. I, I know I'm a, let's say, sociologist. I'm writing for other sociologists. But as we know, there are many ways to break up a market based on a subspecialty or the level of education of the individual reader. Are you writing for the people that are new to your discipline or the leaders in that field or both? So really understanding the readership or the market of that journal is critical and just don't have a knee jerk reaction that you assume, you know, who that readership is. So please spend the time with that about page and understand who that journal is geared
0: towards. Thank you, John. If I may look closely at part three, uh, you start part three, you call it writing your article, and chapter 18, with which part three begins, says understanding the parts of an article. I was a bit curious to know, um, how do you see this in terms of the academic and research writing process? does an aspiring writer need to have a clear knowledge about the parts of the genre of a scholarly article before they start writing it? Or why is it that it might be important to do the steps that you list in part one and two before they go to three? So I'm just making a clarification. In your book and in your scheme of things, where does writing begin?
1: So the more groundwork you're able to do ahead of time, the easier time you're going to have with the actual writing. So whether it's understanding the publishing industry, whether it is a researching journals ahead of time, becoming a fan of those, reading those guidelines for authors, looking at articles that have already been published, seeing the formats of those articles, what are the most common headings that are used in those areas to understand the parts that those journals prefer? What's the length of those parts? So, are literature reviews typically five hundred words, or are they less, or are they more? You need to understand in your area, or the journals that you're hoping uh, to be published in, the, the the expectations, and this will make all the groundwork that you're working that you're uh, involved with uh, that much more of uh, an enabler of the success of writing that article. So. Please go in, look at these target journals, understands what the headings are in the parts of the article, understands how they're written. Are they all written in third person or are they written in first person? Um, uh, look at the active uh, uh, active and passive nature of the writing, understand exactly how those articles are composed and use them as a guide before you ever put pen to paper or uh, fingertip to keystroke Uh Uh, All of this research will make the writing and the composition of the article that much easier.
0: Fantastic, John. Sound advice any day. And if I may build on this, I think it's also important for the prospective readers of your wonderful book to know that all of this takes time. And I think you also weigh that into the advice that you give that one has to be prepared for the long haul. Um, I also know this from looking at similar books which are out there in the market, that often researchers, students, academics are wary of fatigue of how long does it take for their work to see the light of day. And I'm connecting this to another point which I thought you bring up very well, which is about the exponential changes that have happened in the world of publishing with the introduction of digital and online technologies. Especially, you also do mention about open access, and I'm also heading the library committee in the Central European University, and I'm aware of all the questions faculty keep asking today. How do you see the world of publishing changing, or how do you think it has changed in your career and how, do, how much do you think this book is a response to that?
1: Well, to, to comment on a couple of those observations, I, I have had a couple times in the past eight years when an author, a, 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 a writer has come to me and said, um, I need to have an article published in the next three or four months. And it's a very sobering response to this person that has really, really does not understand um, the nature of the process and they need to think long-term about their writing career. I understand there may be some pending deadline for them of let's say promotion or tenure or grant funding, but you're in it for the long haul. You're in it for writing quality work that makes a difference in your field, that builds on the previous work that you've done. So you have to fully understand that timeline. The world has changed uh, significantly from the beginning of my career, where it was a paper-based career, a paper-based publishing industry, to now where it is 99.9 percent digital, and all the websites of journals are the uh, are the uh, copy of record. Um, so it's it's a completely different world we live in. Fortunately. Articles can come very quickly to publication, and you do not have to wait to get in line for a print copy. Thank heavens that things can come very quickly to market and be uh, available through abstracting and indexing services. Open access has really has really changed the world in many ways. Uh, in my mind, for mostly for the positive, um, it's made a wealth of material available to uh to so many parts of the world and so many readers that didn't have access to a $20,000 institutional subscription for a for a highly valued publication that only a few people may have access to. So it's been a blessing. Of course, there's been downsides to it that you know, there's been the instances of predatory publishing, but with a little bit of research, it's able to figure out the predatory publishers from the legitimate publishers. So that should not be a discouragement, but the world is moving and scholarly publishing is moving towards open access every day to a greater degree. So to understand these things and to see how they benefit you through the speed of publication and the availability of your material to everybody uh, is really a tremendous value. So um, it's a gradual process, but see it as a positive.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, If I may go back to the book again, and I think one of the key features of the book, which I enjoyed, is its readability. And I think you're absolutely right. And I, I imagine you're also very successful in making the book accessible to every kind of reader. So in that sense, it's not just a little guide, but it's indeed offering simple steps to success. So in one sense, I think you have very successfully demystified the publishing process, if I may call it. But on the other hand, I might also ask this question, from your experience as a consultant, as somebody who worked in the publishing industry, for instance, in the world of medical publishing, what do you think were the big challenges that you thought were faced by writers that you may or may not have used as a launching pad for the tips that you give here?
1: R- really, the, the impediments are a uh being paralyzed by the entire, by the entire effort to really, to just to, to feel that it's too big. How am I going to get this started? I'm never going to get published. Uh, only it's a, it's an industry where only the top people get published. I don't have anything to say. I have no time during the day and to just wipe all that away, to just completely dismiss all those things and to say, I know I can do this. I'm a big fan of, you may be familiar with Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. It's a classical storytelling method. Um, I understand academic publishing is not your traditional storytelling that we think of when we think of, let's say, Harry Potter, but really it's a journey that you're on. There are going to be valleys and there are going to be mountains that you're going to climb. And it's all towards your eventually, eventual end success. So think of it as you're going to have ups and downs during that time. By working that process of having a plan, assigning deadlines, having uh, something to say that's new and unique in your area, and uh, working through it, uh, you're going to be able to achieve your goal If you have something that's new and unique uh, in your area. So, thinking about it in a positive sense, uh, listen, I'm a glass half full guy by nature, but I think the majority of people can achieve success by using that plan and by uh, assigning deadlines and to seeing this as an important part to your academic and writing career. And you're in it for the long haul.
0: Thank you. Yes, I couldn't agree more. One of the things which students and researchers often ask me as an academic writing teacher, consultant, um, and trainer, and coach is, what is, if you can say, the one key ingredient of success in academic publishing? And having read your book, and having known your profile now, I'm really keen to know If I put that question to you and from your book, what would be the answer, and it doesn't have to be a word or a sentence, but I think it's more about the unique selling proposition. Or What is it that ingredient that you think is necessary, which is a sine qua non of successful publication of a journal article?
1: I would say persistence. So everybody's going to have impediments, whether it's something that comes up in your personal life, a change at work, uh, a disappointment with, uh, you know, meeting your deadlines. Uh, The first time you submit, you may get a rejection to just feel that you are just going to continue to to march on. Uh, despite the, uh, the roadblocks that are put, put ahead of you. In regard to those uh, first uh, feedbacks that you get from a, from a journal, um, I like to remind everybody Albert Einstein was rejected in several of the articles that he submitted to peer review journals. Every Nobel laureate in almost every field has had multiple rejections. So this is just one step along your hero's journey for you to continue to feel that persistence is the key here. There are gonna be roadblocks ahead of me, but persistence is really what it takes to be able to sit and say, I'm gonna work this plan in this timeline, and I know if I've got something to say, I'm gonna find a a journal and readership that's interested in my message.
0: Thank you. Yes, I would indeed agree that persistence and perseverance are virtues to be cultivated in, in the world of academic and scholarly writing any day. If I can go back to some of the other key points of the book, one of the things that you've stressed about is how to handle the peer review, which you just mentioned now. And I know that that's usually a daunting task for many, partly because we are all very possessive about what we write. And as you put it, failures can be very demoralizing. Um, I was wondering if, are there ways in which a scholar should understand the peer review process that you emphasize in this book?
1: Yeah, to understand that it's bringing value uh, to your work and it's there to improve your work. So uh, a a common reaction when you may get the first detailed review comments back on your uh, manuscript is to be defensive, Well, they don't know what they're talking about or they don't understand my area or they may have uh, a horse in this race and therefore they're being competitive or they just didn't like me. So to really be open minded, I encourage everybody to read the peer review comments, do nothing, let them sit a day or two and then come back to the peer review comments and read them again. To really go through and say, I agree with this one, this one, and this one, and maybe there are ones at the bottom of the list that you don't agree with as much, keep an open mind. Turn to a colleague, have them look at your work, have them look at the peer review comments, and as a neutral party, ask them if they see that there's validity in it. See the peer review process as improving your work, and then go back and start to make small or major revisions. Don't be afraid to make major revisions if you agree with them. Now, of course, you don't have to agree with all the comments. And if you go back with your revised manuscript to the journal, you're going to want to give a, a detailed listing of the changes you've made. And if they're ones that you don't agree with, you're going to want to give brief non-defensive details as to why you're not making those changes. So the reviewers will completely understand your point of view, but seeing it, seeing it as additive to the process. One more, one more comment. And that is before it ever sees the light of the day, it's very important when you have your final best effort to show it to your colleagues. Some people can become very shy about sharing their work with others. And they're very nervous, but you're not going to want the peer reviewers of your intended journal to be the first people ever to see your work. Share it widely and be open minded to those comments that you may receive from your coworkers or colleagues.
0: Thank you. I really also like the last part, the chapters 21 onwards, where you speak about different things, especially the section on feedback, which we just touched upon. And you also say that feedback is not just from the reviewers. Feedback is also from peers. Feedback is also from colleagues. And you also talk about editing, which I thought is something which I deal with my students. So maybe would you like to say something more about the last five, six chapters we talk about, the last lap of the race, if I may put it, and how much it's important in terms of the success in getting an article published.
1: Yes. After you have your full, complete first draft that you're happy with, with all the figures, tables added, references complete, uh, you have everything all set, it's very important for you to devote separate time for you and any potential co-authors to reading the work all the way through. I've become an enormous fan of the read aloud function of most word processing programs. It catches almost anything that happens in your writing where you've left out a word or you've misstated a tense. Most word processing programs have advanced uh, spell and grammar checks that are superior. There are even ones like Grammarly and others that are uh, going to go a step further and improve your work. But if you're submitting to, let's say, an English language journal, and English is your primary language. These tools will absolutely be everything that you would need, read aloud and spell check or grammar functions that you would need to make the article as good as possible. You're, you're, you're going to want to go through that article several times and not just rush through it because you're done with the process and you want to get it off to the journal. You want that article or that manuscript to be the highest quality, it can be and error-free before it goes to uh, any of the journals for review.
0: Thank you. And I think one of the key words that comes through the book has been mentioned by you in this last section, which is the word quality. And perhaps I would use the last few minutes or the last part of our podcast and discussion to bring back this question of What, in your opinion, do you convey through this book as the determiner of quality in an academic or scholarly journal article?
1: It is uh, an elusive thing to understand uh, what makes uh, the material something special. I think if you're able to summarize your article in a few sentences, I would hope it'd be in one, but maybe two or three sentences. And when you're talking to a colleague and they say, oh, what have you been working on? Or what are you writing about right now? When you're able to say it in one or two sentences, you can see the light in somebody's eye where they say, oh, that's that's really cool. That is neat. I'm very interested in that. Tell me more about that. So if you feel that you have that enthusiasm and you get that response back from colleagues, which is not going to be on every paper you're going to write in your entire career, but that's for you to understand the beginning of you being onto something that is special. Another thing that's possible is to email the editor-in-chief or the editorial boards of uh, journals and ask them if they're interested in your that specific topic. Now, they're going to be very guarded they can't guarantee anything and they're simply going to say they may simply say go ahead and submit the manuscript but you may get some valuable feedback as to how that plays with what's going on in the field and what's going on with their readership i did want to say one other thing before we conclude on a different topic the at the very end of the book is an important chapter that that gets left off of many of the radar screens of many writers and that has to do with promoting your own work. I've spoke about it many times. I'm a big fan of the Textbook and Academic Authors Association and I've been an advocate for it there. And that is have a website for yourself. It's it's easier to do than you would think and there are plenty of people that can help you with you for a tiny fee. But make sure you see a responsibility for you to promote your own work, which is really promoting your career as well. And to understand that whether you're speaking about it or using social media or enlisting ambassadors or sharing it with others, promoting the work is very, very important. It increases downloads, increases citations, and increases the chance when you write your next article that they're going to find a home as well. So I really am a big fan of promotion and marketing, and I would not skip over that chapter, which many academics really want to do. They, They don't want to do it. It's not in their nature, and it's not bragging, but it's an important step in the process.
0: Fantastic. I couldn't agree more with you on that too. And you call it marketing your work. And I think it's important and also very relevant in today's world when people use multiple media to share their work. And I think it's ultimately all about reaching wider audiences. So great piece of advice, John, and well taken. Well, we have taken a lot of your time. And I think it might be important for me to also ask you what's coming next. Uh, it's probably something which I think our readers would be interested too. So I'm keen to know if you have any projects in the pipeline. Um, would there be something that you would like to share with our listeners?
1: I do. I had such great experience with the published Roman, uh, publisher Roman and Littlefield. I have two other works that are in the process right, right now. Uh, one is they're all in the same series. One's The Little Guide to Giving a Poster Presentation. And one is The Little Guide to Writing a Book, Uh, and it's academic focused on monographs and textbooks. So um, they'll also be coming out later on in the year. So I'm very excited about the series, and all of them would be with Roman and Littlefield as well. And uh, I encourage any readers, any listeners rather, um, to reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm at YouTube, and I also have a website, riverwindsconsulting.com.
0: Fantastic. John, that sounds like a great project. I really want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it. And I hope the listeners of New Books Network, scholarly communication channel, would also enjoy listening to this discussion. And hopefully they'll be inspired to read John Bond's The Little Guide to Getting a Journal Article Published, Simple Steps to Success. I strongly recommend it. And I'm looking forward to reading your new books. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Sanjay, it's been my pleasure.